0: Welcome to the Total Sucker Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who always has a plus 10 goal difference. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello.
1: Always. Always indeed, my friend. Wake Hello. wake up
0: in the morning with plus 10.
1: I wish that were yeah. the case. <laughs> <laughs> If that means me setting resetting the alarm for 10 more minutes, then yes, I do that yeah, that's pretty consistently and regularly. Yes,
0: The plus 10 is a snooze. Indeed. <laughs> Which actually has been some people's reactions to the U.S.'s 4-0 win over Guyana and 6-0 win over Trinidad and Tobago.
1: What, snooze? To
0: hit the snooze button, I yeah. would say
1: that's been some of the reactions. Some of them have been to throw the alarm at the wall, I think, <laughs> if we're going to continue <laughs> that analogy. Yeah.
0: We have been a little more positive. We've seen progression from game to game. It's been looking good. We know it's not the strongest opposition. I would argue that Wednesday night's game against Panama, for which this is a preview, Mm -hmm. 9pm Eastern, Fox Sports 1, um, it's the final group stage game. We're already qualified, but this is the toughest opponent in the group. So at least it's the biggest
1: challenge so far in the Gold Cup. I mean, I'm not sure I would have said that heading into this competition. I agree with you now, Yeah, (laughs) given the way things have gone. Given Trinidad's defending. Yeah. Is that (laughs) fair? Yes, 100%.
0: So um, we'll talk about, you know, the U.S. and what, what we mm-hmm. think they should do and how we think they'll line up and all that later on. But I want to give a little preview of Panama sure. and what to expect. Maybe not too long. People don't want to hear
1: 30 minutes on Panama, right? So 28? 28.
0: 28,
1: yeah. Right, yeah 28, cool. 29. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we've seen Panama in a 4-4-2 thus far yeah. in this competition. Against Trinidad and then Guyana. Mm-hmm. They won but...
0: what? 2-0 and 4-2.
1: You are correct. Yeah. Uh, I think so. And, uh, but you were making the point that maybe prior to this tournament, when they had played some strong opposition, yeah. it wasn't quite the 4-4-2 that we've come to see from them this time around.
0: Yeah, so their recent friendlies before the Gold Cup, um, they played Brazil, Uruguay, Colombia. Mm-hmm. I mean, all teams that are better than what they're facing at the Gold Cup. Somewhat. Fair. And in two of those three games, they played a 5-4-1, which is one of the things we've seen from Panama in the past. It so is. So I guess the big question is, they come into this game I think this is a good test. How much respect does the U.S. have? So do Panama say, all right, we're going to do our four four two, two 2 strikers. We're going to try and go toe-to-toe with the U.S. Or is the U.S. more on the spectrum of this is a tough opponent. We should go back to the five four one.
1: Um I mean, it, w- we'll find out tomorrow is the obvious easy answer. Yeah. Um, I I would hope they come in a four four two. 4 2 I would because— Why is that? Even though it means maybe they're— Going at the United States a little bit more, it is the case that we're both on, uh, both teams are on six points. Yep. So US has the best goal difference though, right? So we draw is, yeah.
0: and we're top of the
1: group. Exactly. So then maybe this is Panama thinking, no matter what, we're going through in second place. So let's maybe go to the United States and see what we can do against oh. stronger opposition so we don't kind of break what we've been doing in the first two games. So it could be breaks are off. It right? could be. Okay. Um, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. We established yeah. in the last show that my betting record isn't terrific. So, <laughs> you know, grain of salt there.
0: Okay, well maybe when we get to talking about the U.S., we'll talk about maybe mm-hmm. the difference between playing against the 4-4-2 and the 5-4-1. Or, honestly, four five one one is yep. also a Panamanian option. We've played this team so many times. We've previewed this team so mm-hmm. many times. They've definitely played that formation before as well. They definitely have. <laughs> All right, big picture Panama. Yep. Um, they've moved on from Blas Perez, uh, Luis Tejada, because those guys were mid to late 30s. Yes. <laughs> there are still names that you recognize – like Roman Torres, centre-back, plays for Seattle. Mm-hmm. But who are the guys that maybe the U.S. should be looking out for or at least a little bit wary of?
1: I mean, Gabby Torres up top is, is always uh, yes. a problematic issue uh, yeah. if he's up by himself or if he's like in a front two, which he has been thus far in this competition, as we've yeah. said. Um, the The physicality, the ability to sort of capitalize on like opportunities that don't seem like they're quite there, but yet still find a way through? Because although Trinidad's defending has been bad, it has still been Panama sort of being tenacious in their approach, yeah. particularly on the counterattack that has made Trinidad look so bad.
0: I think of Gabby Torres as very efficient. Yep. I went back and watched some scout footage of mm. him as well just to get a better feel could, like, to not see him play against Guiana, basically. Yep. Um, he seems to very often just pick the right simple pass, which mm. is often a through ball. And it's not too many... It's actually very few step overs and skill moves and stuff like that. He's got a bit of pace, he's got a bit of acceleration, but he knows when to use it. Gabby Torres is definitely someone to uh, not be terrified of, but at least be wary of, right? US defenders should be keeping an eye on Gabby Torres's whereabouts at
1: all times. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think the same goes probably for Armando Cooper. Uh, Who did score the first goal uh, against Trinidad assisted by Gabi Torres? You
0: expect him to play center midfield probably, Amanda Cooper, Mm -hmm. yeah?
1: Yeah, again, depending on how many numbers are in that midfield, it might. Deviate slightly, but be yeah.
0: one of the central midfields, Yes, indeed. Um, how about on the wings? I always think that uh, Quintero looks mm-hmm. a little bit dangerous, and Busanás. Yeah. Uh, so left Quintero, right Busanás. Both of them seem a little bit dangerous to me. Not again, not like they're Neymar and we have to back off. But uh, we like Quintero has a few moves that we've seen.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Quintero certainly does, and then Busanás has goal scoring. He scores the second goal against yeah. Trinidad. We're just going to keep it going with the Trinidad game because that's <laughs> basically what I was paying attention to. Okay. Uh, in terms of preparation, wasn't it Quintero today?
0: with a really nice like uh, dummy move in the middle of the field for? For I think one of so. those goals. Yeah. yeah. Just let it run past him and fooled everybody. That'll yeah. work.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I think I take your point, though, that it's not as though this is a team that I. Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's not a team that the United States necessarily needs to be like, okay, this, per- this player is particularly skillful. We need to put two players to make sure there's no sort of opportunities there. Yeah. I think it's it's much more a the United States needs to play their game and play a comprehensive game yeah. and not sort of take their foot off the gas or switch off because I think that's when Panama are very capable of pouncing.
0: Here's a good way to frame it. Mistakes, Panama are good enough
1: yep. that mistakes
0: will be punished. Yes. Right. So if Zach Steffen has one of his Jamaica or Venezuela moments where he doesn't Correctly play the ball out of the back. If that goes to Gabi Torres, he's probably burying that pass yes. like Stefan. Right? Yes. So yeah. The, yeah, mistakes will be punished. There's one other player I think we should highlight. I think he's Panama's best player based on my sort of limited viewing, mm-hmm. Mikey Maria. Yep. Who I think will play right. So I, mean, I was back. like,
1: are you going to see Roman Torres? Because that's that's an interesting shout. Because I would absolutely agree with you. It's Maria.
0: It is Mikey Maria, right? So mm-hmm. he plays right back. Um, plenty of pace. Gets up and down has an eye for a pass. This yes. this guy can pick out a pass. There was a goal. I watched all the goals against uh, Guiana. Um, the first goal scored by Arayo, um who may not start, uh, the striker, it's Mikey Murillo just being on the wing and just deciding, oh, I can just bend this ball around the defence and in, be- in behind for Arroyo. The ball's barely on but he has the technique and the vision to play it. So yeah. we should look out for when Murillo gets forward. He'll be crossing balls in, he'll be bending dangerous passes in, and he'll just be playing nice little one-twos. That's what I've seen from him as well. He will get forward from right back, then play some one-twos, and suddenly Mikey Murillo's in your box. Yes. Get him out of your box. Get him out. My, my, my Number men... 23, if you're looking out for him, by the way. Yes, thank you for that.
1: Um, I, I saw the, Like the other... Like side of this coin, which we haven't talked about, is there's also a chance that maybe Panama rest a bunch of their players and they decide, uh. yeah, we're we're okay with going through in second. We're just gonna give everybody a break, keep everybody fit. And I say that because Mario seems like. A type of player who, if they were going to rest some people to keep them fresh for the knockout round, he would be one because he does cover so much distance and can be so useful in both counterattacks and sort of like arriving late to be another attacking option yeah. that maybe he, he won't start. So I think that'll be like, we'll know that pretty quickly. When we see the starting 11, if he's not in there, I think that's a good sign that they're definitely resting players. That's if he slight- is in there, then maybe they're... Going to go to the United States a little bit.
0: That's a slight downer about this game, right? Yep. That both teams are already through. Yes. Should we switch to the United States? Speaking sure. of whether we'll be resting players mm-hmm. or not, that is the big question, right? So Greg Behalto was asked this um, a couple of days ago, and he essentially said, I've never been in this situation before. I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah, I think that was in the, it was in the post-match, oh, was of, it post-match of the of Trinidad of game.
0: Because there is an argument that, okay, you're already through. It's a tournament. There are potentially... Three more games after this quarter's mm-hmm. semi's final. Um, maybe a bunch of guys need a rest, and that's that's the way to do it. Like certain coaches, you know what they're going to do because they've been in tournaments so many times that there's a pattern of what they do, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, Berhalter, we don't know. We're going to find out. There's an element. I'm not saying it's not exciting, but we're on a little fact finding mission where we'll learn a bit, a little bit more about how Greg Berhalter thinks should be things should be handled.
1: Yes, um, there's the interview that we both read with Paul Tenorio for the Athletic, yeah. uh, where Berhalter, kind of the consistent refrain is that basically they're building towards something that that's that's. He has a long-term vision and a short-term vision, yeah. and so his approach to certain games is with yes, an bifurcals. eye towards the long-term long-term vision. And I think what that was kind of revealing, what that revealed to me, is that he very much doesn't care about public reaction, and he very much doesn't care about media reaction. Yeah, because part of what he said was
0: essentially like, "Why not experiment in friendlies, even if we lose? I don't, I'm yeah. not worried about losing in friendlies, right?" So yeah, there there is an element of Health that doesn't care about public reaction. Because he's more interested in the long-term yeah. project, but
1: he also had a line about uh, uh, like emphasizing the importance of uh, sticking to a plan, not panicking, and being able to embrace failure. Uh, removing embracing failure from the equation, yeah, let's not do that. It, it, it <laughs> like maybe there's a, like a coach who maybe hasn't impressed so far, but wants to like cement their reputation or like show that they belong. Might play the exact same starting eleven, make sure you got a win, and then we're three and zero, yeah. and everything looks good if you kind of go with what Burhalter said i just don't think that will factor into it public pressure the desire to win and have three wins and be like on the firmest ground possible yeah, yeah. i don't know it's not a PR
0: exercise right? i don't
1: think so so then when you remove that from the equation it feels to me like this is a game where you're going to rest at least a few players okay
0: well let's like pick out some likely candidates then because mm. didn't he pick the same starting 11 for guiana and for Trinidad. Yes. And we did see the patterns of play that Berhalter likes. We saw some progression in that. It looked a little better against Trinidad than it did against Guyana, even against a slightly tougher opponent. Um, So I hope to still see the patterns of play. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Which players from that starting 11 that started twice are most likely to be rested
1: for this Panama game? I would say Michael Bradley is the number one uh, most likely candidate, in my opinion, to not start this game. Why is that? Because... It is sort of what Brad, uh, Berhalter has done in, in other sort of friendlies. When you have the series of friendlies, it'll be br- uh, Bradley one game, trap another game. Yeah,
0: but budget, well, br- budget, Michael Bradley. We'll yes,
1: track. but yeah. if you're kind of throwing the friendlies out the window and look at this more so from the current situation of the team, Bradley comes in. He is nursing a couple of knocks. We're not sure about how like fit he is, and so maybe this he's looked fine. But I feel like this is a game where you give him the rest just because he's got a few more miles on his legs.
0: Yeah, a few more miles on his legs, and has just come back from the injury yep. that he recovered from. He didn't play much against Jamaica or Venezuela. Right. for exactly that reason so mm-hmm. I think you're right I think we could say Bradley out trap in is a very likely substitution I've got some people won't be mad about that right because there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, anti-Bradley people out there um, people love Tyler Boyd so far I think correctly we've been very excited about Tyler Boyd what he does on the right wing what he does when he cuts inside when Nick Lima overlaps he's a very exciting player he has a, like a new dynamism to the US attack on the right wing he also came in with a little bit of an injury, and they were managing... I think the Berhalter's phrase was, we were managing his minutes yep. early on. Wasn't he taken out early against Trinidad, at like 60 something minute for Jordan Morris? My guess is Tyler Boyd does not start this game, and Jordan Morris starts it on the right wing instead, to not put any more miles on his legs or risk any more injuries.
1: Yes. I want to... I'm going to... I agree with that. I want to add, though, that, like, w- maybe we should have said this up top. Maybe we did, not I've already forgotten, but, like... Burhalter could start the exact same 11 and I would be surprised but not totally surprised. He could ch- start an entirely different 11 and I would be surprised but not entirely surprised. Yeah. So that's kind of we're where I am. Anything could happen. Yes. Yeah. And so I just want to put that up front because we're kind of putting our guesses on it with a little bit of our opinion. Yes. Um, and so... So don't take anything we say as likely to happen. I mean...
0: Ah, we're doing our best. Yeah, I mean, we're, like, re- we're reasoning through it logically. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. All
1: right, so And with that in mind, what I would say is I, I agree with you that I think it would be Jordan Morris but I do think it will be Paul Ariola still. I don't think it it will be Ooh. a full change for exactly what you mentioned. That Boyd nursing an injury has also been like all over the place, yeah. um, and His maybe ankle was a bit
0: wobbly at one point as well. Yeah, that's that? right. In oh yeah, yeah. Keanu, I believe
1: all, and through non-contact, as I recall. Yeah. So it, it does feel like maybe that's where Boyd sits, Morris starts, and then Ariola is a like, pre-planned substitution around the 60th minute. I, I have seen... another player like that as well. You mean Ariola starts? Yes. Yeah. But then is a player who maybe like we. Like, if things are going well, if the United States is up 1 0 or 2 0, or even if it's 0 0, maybe that's a like 60th minute. Ariola's out. We give him a break. So that's
0: interesting. I think I agree with you, but I'm not sure if for the same reason, because I, I haven't heard your reason yet, which is fine. Um, Ariola did a lot of running in those supposed to games you, are,
1: you deserve my reason. Uh,
0: did you? Yes. Did I? Yeah. Well, so, what was the reason why Ariola would which, start? Oh,
1: it's basically. Oh, she did. Never mind. Yeah. We can go back to it.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, here's mine. Yeah. Um, I, I think when you make a load of changes, um, you're removing players who are familiar with the Behalter philosophy, the positional play, the system, all that kind of stuff. And you have to keep at least maybe half the team in there for the whole thing to still function. Mm-hmm. So that if you went uh, Jordan Morris on the right instead of Tyler Boyd and Jonathan Lewis on the left instead of Paul Ariola, you've lost both of your wingers who you've proven understand the system. Mm-hmm. So I think Ariola, even though he's done loads of running, Maybe still has to start to be um, so enough of the cogs from the original machine are still present. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I would agree with that. I think also think that he probably does stick with Christian Pulisic. That that may be one that we're That's totally the wrong big on. Debate, right? and then you right? kind of keep that left side of Pulisic and Ariola because that combo together. we like that yeah. combo,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you mentioned a pre planned substitution for Ariola. You guessing Jonathan Lewis just comes in final 30 yeah, or something like that. Mm-hmm. That feels right to me. Yep, and I think it'll be the longest Lewis gets to play as well instead of his usual. 10, 20-minute cameos, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about these attacking midfield spots.
1: Oh, and, uh, and then my other reason for it being Ariola who starts is because it does seem like he is the one who hasn't had injury issues and has proven yeah. himself he's unstoppable. At both at national team level and at club level. Yeah, he's the one who's going to run and run and run. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been running and running and running for DC in a DC summer, which is uh-huh. not an easy thing to do. If they're looking for an upgrade on the
0: lithium-ion battery, they should <laughs> investigate what is going on with Paul Ariola. <laughs>
1: It's all the tattoos. The great leap for That's Elon Musk
0: talked to Paul Ariola
1: he, he gets shorter every day, <laughs> and that gives him more efficiency when it comes to the running. <laughs>
0: He's ink-powered. Yes, is that what it is? exactly. <laughs> it is. All right, so... We were really impressed, mm-hmm. um, especially against Trindad, with the Pulisic and McKenney in the attacking midfield. Or at least more impressed than we have been in the past, right? Pulisic was starting to find those seams and able to make things happen. Um, McKenney on the right was a lot of passing and moving. A lot of our best passing moves were McKenney being heavily involved, McKenney with some clever disguised passes. There's no way both of these guys start, right? Mm-hmm. There's no... Just because it's like our two... They're young guys. They've had seasons in the Bundesliga. They're sort of precious resources and you don't want to risk running them down or injuring them but if they both don't start and it's Mihailovic in Pulisic's spot and Christian Roldan in McKenny's spot um, there's my argument about not enough cogs from the original machine it's also just in my opinion a massive downgrade in talent from those two to those two so here's my argument to you is they both they both McKennie and Pulisic both can't be replaced so what are we going to do?
1: Yeah, I, I think there. If you look at kind of the way he's constructed this roster, that Mihailovic was added on when Dwayne Holmes was uh, had to leave due to injury. Yeah, I think. And what we saw from Mihailovic in the friendlies, even though Greg Berhalter says throw the friendlies out the window, I'm not going to do that because I thought George <laughs> Mihailovic really struggled with the kind of intensity and the pressure. Yeah. And I think when we too
0: many touches against Jamaica yeah. and easily dispossessed. When right? we
1: saw him against Trinidad, he had some okay moments, but he still had I some of those moments where out, yeah. like he overhits pass, he underhits cross. And it, it feels like a big drop off from Mihailovic to Pulisic, more so you than the drop off. Around, right? From yeah 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 other around <laughs> uh, more so than uh, Weston McKinney to Christian Roldan, okay, so I think
0: still a drop off, but not as not as uh, Steve yeah.
1: And I also think that Roldan since January has been a player that Berhalter trusts and has proven that he can. Uh, operate the system, navigate the system in a way that Burhalter wants. So yeah. that, to me, is the more logical one of Pulisic and Roldan, which means that I probably got it totally wrong.
0: Okay, but we're going to guess that it's Pulisic mm-hmm. and Roldan in those attacking midfield yep. spots. And what that means is when we drop into the four-four-two or four-two-four defensively, Pulisic will be one of the strikers, and Roldan will be alongside, probably trap mm-hmm. in central midfield. I've got to say, that doesn't fill me with all kinds of confidence in terms of winning tackles, but that might be what we're going with. Yes. We haven't talked about the striker. We've not. I think it's going to be Josie Altador to start this game.
1: I, I this is the one I genuinely have no idea. I really don't, really, because you you could you could argue like one way, and I would totally agree with you. You could argue the, argue the other way, and I would probably totally agree with you because you can make the case <laughs> you're, that you're normally not that easy to persuade. It's. I mean, I'm not sure I will be this time either. But like, <laughs> it, it's it makes sense that if Josie Altador is coming back from injury, that you've been managing his minutes, no minutes in the first game, some minutes in the second. So this 30-ish. is the one where maybe you start him in a. In a somewhat meaningless or less meaningful yeah. th- like like third group stage game, and you let him kind of find his footing and get used to it. And that is a thing. He did look rusty for the United States when he did yeah. come on.
0: There's that cut where he mm-hmm. cut into a lot of players against Trinidad it yes. made me think, oh, sharp Josie wouldn't do that. Yeah.
1: But as my intonation is suggesting, there's a butt coming. Oh yeah. I which mean- is that he also didn't look particularly fit in that in that game. His hold up play was okay, but he still struggled at times. And I and with that in mind, I don't know where his fitness is. I don't know if he can go forty five minutes or 60 minutes I would hope he can but I I guess with that amount I wouldn't be surprised to see Jesse Zardes and then again Altidore for a half or for for 30 minutes or something like that
0: if that's what happens if Mm -hmm. Zardes starts and then Altidore comes in for 30 minutes again I think we should be really worried because I think we're what the quarterfinal will be what June thirtieth. It's only uh, a few days after this uh, final group stage game. If we've got to the third game of a tournament and Josie Altador is still not deemed fit enough to play, I think that's a major, major problem to the point where it may have been a mistake to include him on the roster if he's not going to be quite sharp enough. I,
1: I'm not. I'm not going to debate that. because yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's especially when you go back to Josh Sargent being left off. Yeah. And, and Greg are feeling oh, like they had enough coverage there and yeah. that he kind of needed uh, more depth elsewhere.
0: And the argument was like uh oh it's weird that it's Zardes over sergeant maybe mm-hmm. it's weird that it was uh Altidore over sergeant if yep. Altidore wasn't fully matched mm-hmm. sharp. so here's what I'm hoping for and what I'm actually expecting if I had to sort of if you made me choose I think Josie Altidore starts this game um one because it's not a high risk game as you said it's less meaningful than the others so if it turns out he's not fit enough to be really impactful we don't like get knocked out of the tournament yeah. right so my, my argument is I think Josie starts and they'll let him go for as long as possible. And we've just got to sit there with our fingers crossed and hope he starts looking really sharp. He's got sharp in practice. And we've got fully fit Josie Altidore ready to score goals through the quarterfinals and beyond.
1: We will see. Yeah. I have Josie Altidore as my starter, though. I, I, okay. did, I did put that oh, one down. Are me? I think, we me. Have, I think we have a very similar starting eleven, And we've kind of gotten through with, with me saying, I'm not, really sure here. I'm not really sure here, I'm not really sure here. I'm very <laughs> unsure when it comes to the back line as well. Okay. Basically, again, I, I could see it going a lot of different ways. So maybe let's get to that now. So, yeah, it seems that Long and Zimmerman mm-hmm. have, I mean, definitely have
0: been the starting pair for the first two games. Um, I'm not sure that they're. T- Long was coming in with an injury, right? But now seems fit. So maybe he's the one that sits. That's only just occurred to me. Okay. Yeah. So
1: you you think. One of them sits, or do you I think I don't both know.
0: Have? I think at least one of them will not start, and Miazga or Omar Gonzalez will come in. I don't know if he'll do the full change and just go. All right, um, all right. Uh, Long and Zimmerman take a break. It's it's Matt and Omar's time. All
1: right. yeah. I-, I have both both uh, swapping out. I have Omar and okay. Miazga starting. The I can game. see.
0: It. I can totally see it because he trusts. Uh, Balotelli definitely trusts Omar Gonzalez. I think trusts Matt Miazga. They also kind of. In a weird way, it feels like they deserve to play because there wasn't an obvious starter coming in Mm -hmm. and then they haven't been able to play. So maybe it's a case of just getting them on the field so they feel involved in the tournament.
1: Yeah. I also think we saw what like Long and Zimmerman bring to the equation in terms of their physicality and their passing ability over the first two games. Yeah. But I think we also saw them get knocked around a lot and Zimmerman especially got some heavy challenges against Trinidad. So maybe you just give them an extra break to recover and be ready for the knockout round yeah. and bring in your kind of two reserve center backs to see what they can do against a team that I don't think is going to be going like front foot, going at the United States every time, but to see how they deal with a counter-attacking side that requires discipline and organization.
0: And the weird argument is, if you were worried about say Gabby Torres' pay, Mm-hmm. then you would choose Aaron Long to make sure yep. you had one really quick centre-back mm-hmm. but I think that's not how this team is being selected not by us and probably not by Bear Hutter.
1: no yeah but, it's, but see this is where it gets more difficult because if you do then swap those two centre-backs out suddenly it feels like you have to at least keep one of the fullbacks which is a position that yeah. I feel like is probably the one that needs the most rest, uh, especially Nick Lima. And with that said, I have Nick Lima starting. I do too. I have Nick I think Lima has, and then I have Dan Lovitz.
0: I think he has the same batteries as Paul mm-hmm. Um I also think Reggie Cannon did sub Nick Lima out. I mean, he didn't make the decision, yeah. but Cannon came in for Lima um, in the Trinidad game. Not for long, but it means Cannon has been involved in the tournament yep. and there's not some pressure that like, oh, we've got to play him at some point. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's why Nick Lima starts. I also think he's kind of... Key to the system, right? Lima's involvement um, overlapping down the right wing is key to the system. And it's almost then unfair on... Say it's Jordan Morris over Tyler Boyd. It's unfair on Jordan Morris to pair him with the the right back that doesn't know the system. Mm. You maybe want to give him the chance to play with Nick Lima and see what he can do in the Tyler Boyd role with the Tyler Boyd tools around him, one of which is Nick Lima. Yes, and as you
1: mentioned, because Reggie Cannon already got a few minutes... That then does feel like, all right, well, Cannon's going to get a few minutes at the end of this one, but Lovitz, you're going to start the next one. Yeah. And also, Tim Reem maybe could use the rest too.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's not the youngest man, right? He's yeah. in like thir- early 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
1: did, did do more attacking, at least in the first half against Trinidad. I did get yes. forward a bit more, had to be a bit more mobile.
0: His best game for the US so far, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not up against stiff competition, but yeah. it is the best I've seen Tim Reem play. Um, I think you're right. A rest and a start, a rest for Reem and a start for Daniel Lovitz. Because again, Lovitz has played for Bear before, yeah. done the job. I think Bear Halter just trusts him to do it. So, yeah, love it to start at left back. Yes. That leaves just one spot. The number one spot, the glove-wearing spot.
1: The glove-wearing spot, indeed. So uh, could be Zach Steffen again. I'm going to say it's Sean Johnson. I think there is a little bit of rotation there. Although I don't know if Berhalter loves rotating his keepers because we haven't seen him use quite as many in the friendlies as we saw past national team managers utilize. So, again, would not be surprised for it to be Zach Steffen, but also wouldn't be surprised if Greg Berhalter wanted to just see what Sean Johnson does in his start in a competitive match.
0: I'm 80% confident it's going to be Zach Steffen. Why is that? I think just because he's the starting keeper and it's, again, keeping as many cogs from the machine Mm -hmm. um, as possible and just building Zach Steffen's confidence, which is, you know, was knocked a little against Jamaica and Venezuela. Now he feels like the starting keeper. I think you just keep him between the sticks. And... This I may be incorrect about this, like fitness coaches may disagree with me, but I feel like playing ninety minutes is not as rough on goalkeepers as it is on outfield players. Mm-hmm. So you don't actually need to rest him in terms of his uh like you know physical well being. Yes. I may be wrong about that, but that's what I think.
1: No, I think that makes sense. And I think Raymond Fehiz would be maybe disagree <laughs> with me. <laughs> well, part of my hesitation is just that uh like I get nervous about just like one player just suddenly being the anointed number one. So that like, yeah. Stefan has earned it, don't get me wrong. I just You're worried about like so- an
0: Elisanaya situation.
1: Well, I think that's the obvious example of like a, a person who just becomes a number one player and is always starts every single game, or most every single game, plays every single minute of this past World Cup or this yeah. current World Cup. But if you're in a competitive competition, you want your starter there. I think you want your goalkeeper playing every minute possible, whereas maybe in the friendlies is where you can do a bit more rotation. So maybe in the post-Goal Cup friendlies, we yeah. see some goalkeeper rotation, especially if you want to let Zach Steffen get a bit more, like, accustomed to playing in Germany. Yeah. So then maybe that's where we see it. So, yeah, I think you've talked me into Zach Steffen starting this okay. game. Okay, that means it would definitely be Johnson. Probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we basically have our 11 there.
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's – it's the only thing is that we're basically saying there'll be seven changes. which, really? we- feel, Yeah, I mean, I think so, right? Because we've got Ariola staying, Pulisic staying, Lima staying, and Steffen staying. That's it. Wow. So – that seems like a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if it was only, like, four of those. Okay. Um, I think the big one for me that I will be very interested, it'll be probably the first thing I look for, is is it outdoor or is it Zardes? Yeah,
0: because then we'll know whether is yep. fit or not, mm-hmm. right? Um, okay. Whomever it is, yeah. starting for the United States, what are we looking for in this game?
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: a tough question, right? It's worth thinking about.
1: My answer to that is that I will happily let you say first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You want me to buy you some time? Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, I did, I did do that thing where I asked you a question and I already know what my answer is going to be, which is maybe an unfair way of hosting this show. But what are you going to do? Mm. Um, the thing I would be looking for is the thing that Greg Berhalter is looking for, which is the phrase he keeps using is progression in terms of the Berhalter style of play. Mm. And that is, I think, the – we call them synchronizations that we've seen him put in place so far. I want to see those um, – happen again, essentially. I think the one you noticed against Trinidad was Christian Pulisic in the left-centre attacking mid-roll, would uh, pull wide, he would take a defensive midfielder with him. He would him. drop
1: in if the ball wasn't on, then he'd pull wide, yes. Zardes would take that spot.
0: And that, but that would drag a defensive midfielder out and create a little open channel. Zardes would then show into that channel the ball from a midfielder or a defender would be played into Zardes' feet. Tyler Boyd would, in this case Jordan Morris, would run behind Zardes, in this case Altidore, maybe. Um, and then like, maybe Zardes is supposed to lay it off and then we're supposed to get Boyd slash Morris in behind. We saw that happen. We saw that attempt to happen five times. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking for is to see that same pattern But to see it refined and to see it come off,
1: right? right? Maybe just
0: Altidore having softer feet than Zidane's might be the thing that makes it come off. It might. What
1: happens though if we see a different look from the United States if they don't try to play that way? Does that discourage you? I'll be
0: absolutely shocked because I think Beharter is all about drilling these principles and these concepts of like this is the move that we're going to do this is how we open up space in the opposition this is the pattern that we do i'll be really surprised if he goes away from that because that's been his whole thing so if he's willing to lose friendlies against jamaica and venezuela mm-hmm. to practice those patterns
1: well except i guess what what i'm curious about is like what do we see if it is nick lima which role is he doing is he doing the move more central and be another central midfielder and let other players push up or is he staying as a more conventional fullback if he goes central then that does change it because that's not a yeah. thing that they did in the last game. So
0: then there's a different type of rotation mm-hmm. where Morris, if he's on the right wing, won't be encouraged to cut inside and be the extra striker because yeah. then we lose the width of Lima out wide. Exactly. Right? So yeah. yeah. But honestly, I'd be okay with that. If it's a slightly different look, a slight tweak to it, it's still the same principle of trying to uh, what, like move Panamanians around and like open up channels and create uh, passing chances. Mm-hmm. It just might be different there might be different patterns to the patterns that we've spotted so far. Mm-hmm. If I can spot some new patterns I'll be proud of myself and I'll be proud of you because you'll probably spot it before me. But I'll also be proud of the US for having patterns that we can spot. So maybe that's what I'll be looking for patterns.
1: Alright. My answer is uh, not going to be helpful but it's, it is my honest answer I have no expectations for this game. I really don't. I think that should maybe be clear by the fact that I'm saying there could be zero up changes there could be eleven changes, and I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, and so I think then for me to say like, but I definitely want to see this would be a bit disingenuous for me, it's about. Okay. When I see that 11, I think that will give us a really good indicator right away. If it is a bunch of change, then, like, okay, so he's rotating some players out. Now let's see if they all function in the same role or are they doing something different. That'll be what I'm looking at. Then, if it seems like they're doing the same role, then are they doing it as effectively? Are we seeing the synchronizations, which I didn't realize we were definitely calling it, but I like it. We're sticking with yeah, it. It's synchronization. It I, I thought it was rotaciones.
0: Rotaciones is his like literally yeah. changing the team. Every okay. Week. Yeah. But
1: oh, but then he wanted synchronizations. Synchronizations are the despite things despite the that, rotaciones.
0: Yeah. So synchronizations are the things that happen within games where like one player moves this way and it opens space for this player to move that way, and then we know that we're going to do that. So it's like a pre-planned move that the team does. Shocking that he wasn't more popular. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, so um, he was, popular so with me. He was uh, at times. So I think that that is my my honest answer is sort of I want to see the eleven and then try to evaluate it from that perspective of like okay now we know like maybe Panama are resting players as well. So it's like eight players rested for the U.S., seven players rested for Panama. My expectations go way down, and what I want to see is just more so like, okay, is everybody working really hard? Are we fighting really hard? Does it seem like a comprehensive (laughs) game? Then I'll be okay with it. That's
0: interesting because then my expectations are sort of regardless of the eleven, because I expect every player who's been in camp with Berhalter Mm -hmm. to know the patterns and the synchronizations and what we're trying to do. And maybe that's the thing is I want to see the... The second string, guys like Roldan, finally show that they know what's going on. And, you know, Roldan to not, like, have a bunch of incomplete passes. Roldan to control balls quickly and, like, move passes along and get the move going. Mm. So maybe it's a chance for these second string guys to prove that they are as good as Western McKinney?
1: Yeah, I mean... So that's a big ask, right? See, I think that's the confusing thing, right? Because we know they're not. And that's yeah, yeah. not disrespectful, it's just the truth. I mean, Georgi Mihailovic is not Christian Pulisic. Christian Roldan is not Weston McKinney. Yeah. It so, wouldn't be
0: more exciting if it was Dwayne Holmes, right? Because then it's a the guy who we think, oh, maybe he's as good. Yeah. we'll find out.
1: But so then maybe what you look for there is that if it is both of those players starting instead of Pulisic and McKinney, is the system understandable and approachable enough that those two players can operate within it and it doesn't look like a massive drop-off because that should be part of the system is that you're it's not just benefiting your one or two best players it allows everybody to play in a more productive way that then Hopefully leads to better results. Oh, so right. maybe that's the other one: is that if it is full rotaciones, then we can know are the other players who are coming in at least mostly up to the challenge. Yeah,
0: I've added the only bit of uh, Espanol to to US soccer. I think. See, sí. yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about uh, with this game before we move on to uh, an ad read and then Glassdoor?
1: No, I really hope we see Josie Altador. I really do. Yeah, and I hope we see a, a fit, ready to go, Josie Altador. Uh, because as I said, some of the touches, some of the fitness looked questionable in that yeah. last game. Maybe that was just again shaking the rust off, and he'll be back to it for this one.
0: One more time, the game is 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern. Um, it's in Kansas City. It's in Kansas. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know where the I don't know where Sporting Mercy Pack uh, is. It might be Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's, but it's nine o'clock Eastern yeah. kickoff. It's on Fox Sports One. It is. It's USA Panamá. We will be reviewing it after the game. We will. Will probably be
1: wearing grip six belts while we do it. I'm wearing one right now. Wait, oh, no, not. I'm wearing soccer shorts. Otherwise, I would be wearing one right now. I saved the day. There we go. Lovely. Yeah. I got up could, to show You could have just told me that you were wearing I like it. I would proof. have believed you. I like
0: to give proof. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if,
1: if soccer shorts needed belts, I would be wearing a grip six belt. Yeah. Fortunately, they don't. <laughs> Here's my um, testimony it's Too hot in Richmond for, for, for <laughs> full clothing.
0: Here's my testimony mm-hmm. for grip six belts. Yeah. Um, as I think I've mentioned a couple of times, because of all the health stuff this year, I lost a lot of weight really quickly. I suddenly became very reliant on my Mm belts to literally hold my pants up, right? (laughs) They would have fallen down. Um, And so I really got a feel for Grip6 belts, me tightening it to a point where it would keep my suddenly baggy pants on, and then it didn't move. That's that's key, right? That is key and also surprising because most other belts don't achieve that. They always, especially leather belts, always have that... Bit of stretch, like the the hole will get a little bit loose, and the, you know things will be looser than they were when you put it on two hours ago. Yep. Grip Six belt stays tight. It has
1: saved me a fortune in not buying new pants. Plus, you don't have to make like your own belt holes now. Like yeah. you it just it just adjusts, and that's the easy part about it because it just <laughs> the strap slides in, then it's locked in yep. place. The badger teeth hold it there. It will never ever move until you decide that it's time for it to move. Yeah,
0: never ever is scary. Right? Yeah,
1: you can. It is once you decide to release it, it's a finger trap. It's, it's there forever.
0: It kind of this kind of is like a finger trap, right? And there's only one. Way out of it, and as long as you know that that quick move, <laughs>
1: that got real sinister. It's real easy, fast. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's true. But it does sound terrifying. <laughs> yes, um, but if it is locked in place forever, which it won't be, because you can do it yourself. But if it were, they do also have the uh, guarantee Anytime, any condition, any reason, they will swap out that belt and give you new parts. Give you give you a new belt if the situation requires. Never
0: had anyone call in they, to activate them. They, they the mail Garandam-T. themselves back. They mail themselves back, and the any reason is I've been trapped in this for two months.
1: <laughs> I hope not. Please get me out because scissors exist. So <laughs> I I would be concerned I, if that were the case.
0: These things are tough enough. I'm not sure scissors would do the
1: job. Blowtorch. Which
0: yeah, let's, I'm not going to try it out. I'm not going to sh- ruin let's my Let's try Grip it right now. <laughs> now. Let's try it right now. If you'd like to buy a Grip6 belt, mm. you can go to... There are two ways of doing this now. We've changed it up a little bit. Um, go to grip6.com slash TSS, and you will see an available discount there to get, I think, 35% off a three-pack. So if you're going for multiple belts... That's the way to go, grip6.com slash TSS, and you'll get 35% off the three-pack of belts. If you want to buy just one belt, maybe you're just trying to try it out, see, does this thing really hold my pants up like Daryl says it does, then just go to the, we- the regular website, grip6.com, G-R-I-P-6.com. When you check out, use the discount code T-S-S-X-X. Mm-hmm. The XX is two Roman numerals for 20. Yep. That gets you 20% off. TSSXX for 20% off at grip6.com.
1: All right. Thank you very much to Grip6 for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, One more thing we wanted to talk about, which has been in the news, uh, I think bubbling up over like the last week or so, is the uh, U.S. soccer glass door story.
0: Yes. Oh, I nearly opened the show with uh, a fake glass door review Mm -hmm. of working
1: with you. I'm glad you did that.
0: It was too long and elaborate. I just wanted to get straight to the game.
1: Also, it would be very telling if there were negative Glassdoor reviews about the Total Soccer Show, since we have two employees.
0: Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would definitely be one of us. Yes. Ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so maybe we should explain to people what Glassdoor is. So Glassdoor is essentially uh, a website where you can leave reviews about the company, anonymous-ish reviews about the company that you work for. So that, for example, if I was thinking of going to work for, let's just pick a company here in Richmond, Altria, mm-hmm. right, a big company here in Richmond, I could look at the Glassdoor reviews and see... What's the workplace culture like? What do people who work there think about working there? And if it looks like a living nightmare, Mm -hmm. I would not then apply for that job at Altria.
1: Yes. It it is worth noting here that if we're we're trying to be fair about this, that does then lend itself to more often negative reviews because it is sort of – always.
0: I've seen some positive reviews. on. You've seen some positive reviews, but
1: I think a lot of times you'll find more negative than positive because it's people who are leaving jobs. And I do think that it's the opportunity to kind of vent about the things that frustrated you if you're leaving a job. So I think it it does attract more negative reviews and very honest reviews, I think, at the same time, which can then be negative, if that makes any sense. Yes.
0: And to put this in context, because people may have Mm -hmm. missed the story, right? It's been big on Twitter and all that, but I think there would be lots of people listening to the show who don't know about it. There have been many Glassdoor reviews left about the US Soccer Federation over the past couple of months, and they've been kind of consistent in their themes, and they've been overwhelmingly negative.
1: This is true. Right,
0: so can we hit on some of the themes that were in these reviews?
1: We can, but I first want to say one thing that I think is important to note here, and it's a credit to Andy Doss and the New York Times, who had this story last week when it started to kind of gain some traction and were basically sitting on it because they were trying to confirm, because to write an entire story to accept as truth anonymous reviews that could have been written by one employee about a company would be a bit unfair, to say the least, yeah. so they have spent the last it sounds like week or at least few days contacting anonymously. Should be said, uh, current employees people or at least, for their job. Yeah, right? I assume they
0: can't say, yeah, it was me, Daryl Grove, who left that terrible review of the place that I worked. Exactly, work. yeah.
1: and they have it, Taylor would it, hand me my papers pretty fast. It would not be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's the thing we could do, but I'd find out. Um, and 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 I think basically they allowed Confirmed. they allowed themselves to be scooped in order to be able to confirm yeah. via like some contacts with some current employees that. Yeah, it's more or less yep. accurate, these reviews. So,
0: yeah, we have sort of a lot of heft behind the idea. I shouldn't say idea. more or less.
1: I should say mostly accurate.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of heft behind the mm-hmm. idea that these reviews are um, don't come from just one person leading like a trollish campaign. It is the general consensus within the U.S. Soccer Federation mm-hmm. is what is reflected within the reviews, which I think we should now uh, enumerate. Is that the correct word?
1: Yeah, because some of these complaints are are fairly common workplace complaints. And, like, I have... Well, it does sound like it can be very challenging that it 's very long hours for uh, apparently low pay or like I guess proportional to other jobs yeah. low pay that is, is to me like the more standard stuff that you would see on Glassdoor on the negative side yeah it seems the one positive that stood out that I found surprising is apparently very good health care with u s soccer yeah that was one that was noted in every review as the healthcare plan was uh-huh. very good. But then there's the ones that, like, specifically talk about the atmosphere, the environment within the headquarters. Yep, and, and the then, leadership structure. And talk about specifically current CEO Dan Flynn yep. and potential future CEO Jay Burhalter,
0: Who is current CFO, right, or chief so, marketing yeah. officer, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But is his, like, like uh, the heir apparent to that CEO? Yeah, spot so the seems. big
0: thing is that Dan Flynn, the current CEO, mm-hmm. has announced that he is retiring, right? And U.S. soccer are... Theoretically, doing a big search to find Dan Flynn's replacement, a CEO of US Soccer, which by the way is a lot more influential than people maybe realise. Right, the, the US Soccer president is always the high profile name, Sunil Galati or Carlos Cadero. But let me illustrate this with: Do you remember when they were going to sack Jürgen Klinsmann mm-hmm. after the uh, con- what, what did we call it? The weird playoff we had with Mexico in.
1: Uh, oh, the Concave Cup? Is that what Yeah, it was? the Concave yeah. Cup.
0: After we lost that, they were going to fire Jürgen Klinsmann. But then Dan Flynn needed heart surgery. And because he was unavailable, they didn't go through with firing. This is a confirmed story. It's a great system. Because he is that influential, mm-hmm. right? So this is how important the uh, the CEO job is. It also, apart from hiring and firing managers, it sets the entire workplace culture, yes. right? So, yeah. And the thing is that it looks like they 're going to hire they 're going to essentially promote from within j Bearhelter, and what from what I understand these negative glassdoor reviews are uh, nobody within the organization wants that to happen, so this was like they wanted to get the word out that the workplace culture is bad, and we want it to stop being bad
1: and as evidence of that i can 't remember if it was March or may, definitely a month that starts in m uh, that 's when these reviews started popping up, Meptember. which which yeah sure i, I don 't think that 's it because March and may don 't equal September, but yeah, why not uh, but more so that like it's in response to the pending like retirement of Dan Flynn that now like these reviews are coming oh, yeah. out because in order to get like the immediacy of the story behind it yeah because they want a new culture
0: a new leader mm-hmm. as opposed to someone promoted from within who's going to just keep going with the same thing right my, yeah. my
1: point simply that it's not as though these reviews have existed for the last oh, I see. year yes, and yes. then suddenly they're coming to light it's more so they've all come up very yes. recently which makes it seem like a campaign aimed at getting attention on the kind of state of the uh, soccer HQ yep uh, we've been bouncing around a lot trying to get a lot of
0: info out there but I think mm-hmm. we should get to like some of the the types of complaints that are in there so you mentioned uh long hours Mm. for short pay and essentially u.s soccer taking advantage of people's passion for soccer by sort of working them half to death Mm -hmm. right so that's one of them but a lot of it was about the um sort of the the communication style of the leadership right wasn't there one story about they they went on a retreat and a lot the a lot of the uh employees sort of were asked, like, what do you see as problems that we can fix? And everybody talked about the lack of communication between different departments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, apparently, either – I can't remember if it was behalter or Flynn – stood up and said, well, I'm just upset that no one talked about the success of the NWSL and us winning the World Cup, and all this stuff about bad communication is a uh, bull swear word, mm-hmm. and just dismissed the entire thing. So yep. it's like employees wanting to make the workplace culture better, being sort of just dismissed out of hand and told – your opinion doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, the atmosphere of bullying. I believe is the kind yes. of kind of more or less consistent refrain there. Which, yeah, th- that serves as an example of, and that again, to me, is is far more disconcerting than long hours, low pay. Because yep. that feels like the number also one reason. Great though, long hours, no pay. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the number one reason why you leave a job, basically. Yeah. And, and I feel like every company that I've worked for that I've left has been like, long hours, not enough pay yep. to compensate for those long hours. And
0: the expectation that you would sort of work overtime mm-hmm. just because you're lucky to have this job. And I think that was, uh, a lot of the reviews complained that they were, people were constantly told mm-hmm. you're lucky to be working for US soccer because we're US soccer and this is this great thing. It's soccer in America. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I, and, but I, That's and taking I think, advantage of people's Passion. It is, and I think that's where that's where I do have a problem with the hours, where, like, when it gets st- – strangely, when it gets into, like, the close monitoring of are you working 60 or 70 hours a week because that's the expectation even if we're not necessarily going to say yeah. that. That's, we are, by the way. What do you mean? Us. You and I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's, that's part of the but job. That's, but that's our
0: choice, right? No one's yeah. making us do it.
1: No, exactly, yeah. but it's like – but that's also – we don't have a job description, but if we did, it would include that. That sometimes it's going to be like that, and I think like that's the way companies maybe sometimes cover themselves is by saying like, well, you know, it's forty hours usually, but sometimes it might be more than that. And it sounds like then, like when people get hired, it's it's usually like give it a couple months and we'll see how long you yeah. make it till you get burned out because it's always sixty hours, not sometimes sixty hours. Here's
0: something I saw recently that's somewhat related to that idea as well. Um, U.S. Soccer, I think themselves tweeted out a photo of. When the game is on, like, we all stop work and watch the game, Mm -hmm. right? I think it was one of the recent U.S. Women's National Team World Cup games. And it was – because, you know, U.S. Soccer House is actually just a big old house, right? So it was one of the big rooms in there. They had a big screen. And it was everybody sitting at tables watching the game. Mm -hmm. But everybody had their laptop out and everybody looked miserable, (laughs) Which is like suggests to me that it's not like all right. It's you know it's one of the main things that our job is about. It's the yeah. US women's national team are playing in a World Cup. Everybody stop work. We're going to go and enjoy it as a team and watch it together. Instead, it's yeah, be in there, but you've got to still be working on your computers while you sit and watch the game.
1: Which again, I, like. It makes sense to me if your job is social media or updating yeah. the website or updating the match tracker or anything like that. So not
0: everybody's job is that, right? This That's is a true. room full of people. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. so th- then there is again it, it just it goes back to this is my opinion from what I read not yeah. necessarily like what was specifically written. It felt very much like an atmosphere of you don't have to but you probably should, and it, and it felt a lot like. And that's a you, you're free. You're free to watch the game, like it's a very important game. But you know, if if you're if you don't think that you have enough work, then yeah, go ahead and watch the game. Like it just <laughs> it has that vibe of a little bit like. And also, we're watching to see if you're not doing work. Yeah. It, it definitely does not seem like the most fun of environments. All
0: right, so play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. why is this a problem? Like, mm-hmm. A bunch of people are unhappy with their jobs. A lot of people don't like their jobs. Why is this a problem for soccer? Like, maybe there's an argument: shouldn't these people be working overtime to make sure soccer advances in the United States? Just to be clear: I don't believe any of these. Um, I don't believe any of these arguments, but I'm putting them forward as uh, a conversation starter.
1: I mean, like, my my honest answer is that I'm not going to work for U.S. soccer. So a lot of those concerns don't. Personally affect me or will never affect me. So long hours, low pay. Like, yeah, it's it's a it's. I would wish that it was better hours and better pay for people, so that it was a more attractive job. But they're still going to be able to find people. That's kind of the reality of the business. It's why so many websites are so kind to offer you uh, write for free to get more experience and (laughs) to get your name out there. I mean, so like, but the reason why it it bothers me, the reason why I think like we were texting last week about talking about this very issue yeah. the reason why i really wanted to do it is because of the culture aspect of it all that it f- a lot of the criticisms about like the status quo and about pre- preserving the kind of the way things have been and keeping certain executives at the top and that those executives benefit from a lot of the decisions
0: they get paid like seven hundred thousand something something yeah a year, right? i
1: mean yeah. it's it's fine that's executives make money but it's it's more so to me it's that That doesn't feel like then a recipe for change. It feels like, yeah, we're going to keep doing what we have doing because it's beneficial to us and it's been beneficial to the federation. But it doesn't mean that women get equal pay, that there's better financing for facilities, that we get better grassroots support. It doesn't mean that anything necessarily changes.
0: I think that's the correct answer is that if you've got a bunch of unhappy employees Mm -hmm. and a leadership structure that seems just
1: concerned with their own power – um, and almost seems so concerned with it that they 're willing to when new employees come in and are really motivated to change things up, are basically like discouraged from doing that in order to keep doing what they 've been asked to do
0: yep, and but that creates a culture or a situation where US soccer is not as effective mm-hmm. as it should be. Yeah. Like, this may be one of the reasons it's a broken workplace, maybe one of the reasons why the hiring process took so long. This is like,
1: this you is know what I'm saying? A, yeah, this,
0: but yes, and that's it. The may be a- one of the reasons why there are soccer pitches that mm-hmm. don't get built with US soccer money. It may be one of the reasons why all kinds of things that should be US soccer's responsibility either aren't happening or aren't happening as efficiently or aren't, aren't happening as quickly as they could. Mm-hmm. Like, one, because The the culture at the workplace is weird, so things don't get done. Two, because you end up not getting the best people. Right, you literally don't get the best employees if it's a miserable place to work.
1: And they mentioned that that like a lot of uh, there are many jobs that haven't been filled, or there are new jobs that are going to be created, or new hirings that are going to be made. But it requires employees leave. But it requires. But it requires a new CEO, and that's that's the point is that because there's no CEO there, there's lots of stuff that isn't happening yet, and so that's also part of the problem is that until they can get that sorted, they're not dealing with a lot of the other issues they need to. And so, there's then this idea of, like, well, they'll just move it along really quickly. But then that also is held up by the fact — I think Grant Wall tweeted this, and uh, Andy Doss confirmed it — that they have approached outside candidates to take over the CEO spot. The problem being that the U.S. Soccer is currently involved in several different lawsuits, which is not an attractive situation for a new CEO to come yeah. into. You don't you want to come in with being able to like incorporate your ideas and change things up and have a new way forward, and not be like okay, but first we we've got to resolve a whole bunch of legal battles. <laughs> it doesn't really lend itself to new ideas; it lends itself to people who've been there who are kind of immersed in the issues already.
0: Yeah, it's like coming in as president, you have to fix the economy instead of doing what you want to do, Yeah, right?
1: exactly. Yeah. But then also, it seems like if if they're going to stick with the people who maybe have already been there, like the best way I can explain this in my mind that it bothers me is, like I used to work at a bar where there was no, like, like if you wanted water, there was a big water cooler at the end of the bar. But because it was a fairly popular establishment, it would we'd run out. And so in the middle of your shift, you had to go refill it so that people could have water. And the new manager who came in was like, well, why don't we just hook up this thing so that there's always water and then we never have to refill a thing and the owners are like yeah sure that was an issue we never had to deal with again yeah. but from a major inconvenience no, to, an, to yeah exactly yeah. but if if those owners in that situation have been like well no it's just how we've always done it and it's what works for us yeah.
0: I it like even, it that way because it just looks good.
1: But also then it's not the owners who are in there on a Friday night when it's packed having to refill a water jug. It's, it's the employees. And yeah. so like I guess that's what I get at is that it feels like if the culture doesn't change, if it's the same people there and there's no real motivation for anybody to continue to push through new ideas, then you're going to end up having a bunch of unsatisfied customers because they can't get water. Only in this case, it's a bunch of unhappy people because they don't feel like their, their voices are heard and tickets are still $60. And
0: I honestly think this explains a lot of the complaints that we've had about US soccer I think I I briefly referenced this earlier Mm -hmm. the whole thing of like uh, the one nation one team and then also that phrase um, in Spanish Mm -hmm. and then sort of having a Spanish section of the website, but there's nothing on it, and then it eventually disappears. Yeah. And like thinking you're going to have a, a, a Twitter feed in Spanish, but then that also disappears because there's no content on it. It's a lot of things that don't get done, yeah. essentially, right? And that, that to me, is really worrying because it, now it looks to me like if it was a better workplace, these things would have got done. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I think now we have the reason for some of the complaints we have about US
1: soccer. Yes, we do. I would still say, though, that it's a lot of anonymous reviews. We personally don't know... I mean, I, maybe we know some people who work at US Soccer, but like, not in a way that we could call them. And be like, hey, is this true or not? Like, yeah. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. So, I don't want to just say like, and therefore, everybody in a leadership position at US Soccer is is culpable for this, and everything's bad. What I will say is that like, I found myself kind of debating this. Like, but is this like, is there is is it is it still worth talking about on the show? And the reason why I felt like it was is because I care about US Soccer. I care about the yeah. organization. And I want it to be the best thing. Of course. And so it's not. This conversation isn't meant to like just like, attack U.S. soccer and the federation and and kind of condemn it for every decision it's made. It's more so that we want U.S. soccer to succeed. We yeah. care about the federation very deeply. And so when this stuff comes out, it's that much more disconcerting because it makes it that much harder to feel like the federation is truly representing everybody the way we want it to.
0: I agree with everything you just said. Um, we, so we tried guessing Behalter's lineup mm-hmm. earlier. Can we guess how this all pans out? Do we think there is some new leader comes in that all the staff likes and the workplace culture changes and everything improves? Because that's what all these doors reviews are about, right? It's essentially trying to make that happen. Or do we think the, uh, like the same old people are in charge and th- like this flares up and then dies down and everybody just keeps going because they want to keep, uh, you know, keep cashing their paycheck, essentially? That
1: one. You, you think yeah. that's what you put your money on? I think so. I think there'll probably be some uh, public outreach. I think there will be maybe... Some like surveys conducted with U.S. soccer employees and maybe they'll look at like what can we do to improve conditions and we'll probably hear about how employees are being – their opinions are being incorporated. And I think that's the kind of PR side of things so that everybody thinks things are happening or at least enough people think things are happening for the story to go away for a while. And then, yeah, I think it probably (sighs) kind of continues on.
0: How about some optimistic middle ground Mm -hmm. where it is the same old people in charge but this like glass door – um, mini revolution, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Glassdoor revolution, gets their attention enough that they look in the mirror, they look in the glass wall, mm-hmm. um, and think, "Oh, okay, maybe we do need to change some things, make some concessions, be more open." Like maybe this is a bit of a wake-up call for U.S. soccer workplace culture, even if it doesn't involve some like wonderful new executive coming in, like re- and revolutionising everything.
1: I appreciate your idealism. <laughs> And, right, yeah. and, and, and remind you that it's been a while since you worked in a corporate culture. <laughs> All right.
0: Fair enough. Uh, should we end it there? Or is there anything yeah. else you want to talk about? Yeah, that's
1: a fun place to end corporate <laughs> culture and sadness. Yeah.
0: <laughs> then I will remind everybody mm-hmm. that – US men's national team versus Panama is Wednesday night, 9 p.m.
1: Eastern. This has been quite the chat. Daryl's hair has gone. Please still watch it. Daryl's hair has gone from (laughs) normal Daryl hair to what I can only say is basically flock of seagulls at this point. That you've got, like, the sides are straight out and then you've still got the swoop in the front.
0: There's some product in it, (laughs) but I found this conversation somewhat stressful. So I've been, like, running my fingers through my hair and pushing it up. Yeah. When I have. Slightly electric shocked, right?
1: A little bit. When I had my hair longer, uh, it goes very curly, like, ringlet curly. And so I would forget that, though, and, like, w- when I would have it pulled back but then be working at a computer all day, I would, like, be running my hand through my hair constantly. And then when my wife would come home because I was working from home at that point, she'd be like, you, are you okay? Because, like, <laughs> the front of my hair would just be froed out and the back of my hair was, like, pulled back. It was a strange look that I had you going say, on. say,
0: hello, Doc Brown.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Welcome home. And I said, <laughs> the Libyans. And it was weird. <laughs>
0: All right, Taylor Rockwell, Mm. thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening and we'll be back tomorrow after USA versus Panama. Don't give Biff the on my (laughs) neck.